You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Here we are on the Batuta Advocate radio show down in downtown Batuta in Koala Studios, and we are sitting with a special guest today. It means a lot to Errol and, and myself to interview her. It means a lot to the town to have her around. Uh, she's an icon. She's a 2018 ARIA Hall of Famer. Casey Chambers, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, you are on tour. You're doing a 20-year anniversary tour. Yeah. Of your first album. Of the first album, yeah, because I'm just starting to get to know the lyrics of that album now, so I figure let's go out on the right. road now and I can throw all the lyric sheets away. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Have you been touring much? Because we interviewed James Rain a couple of weeks ago and he effectively told us, while he announces new tours, he doesn't stop touring. Well, same. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. It's just really one tour rolls into the next one. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I try and have too much time off the bank manager, you know, he yeah. catches up with me and then, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to get back out there again. couple ATO tours. Yeah, well, and the thing is three kids to feed, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, so. <laughs> it's it gets expensive, doesn't it? It gets expensive. So just the artwork changes every Exactly. Every 18 months. And this time I didn't even have to change the artwork, you know, because we've already done this – the captain to a 20 years ago so i just had to you know put an, a 20 on top of it and we're laughing we're good to go now was the captain the album you recorded in norfolk yeah okay. yeah oh you've done your homework Very well good. no that, that was an How interesting you know thing because that, that kind of feels like someone someone does mid-career you know they yeah. need a little bit of time to go find some That's some right. quiet place yeah. but you you hit the ground running with a little bit of a sabbatical. Well, kind of, but, you know, I'd made four albums. It sounds stupid. I'd made four albums before my debut album. <laughs> I was in a band called the Dead Ringer Band with mm. my mum and my dad and my brother yep. and myself. So the four of us travelled all around Australia for honestly like probably 10 years or something like that before I even made my debut album, my mm. debut solo album. So I think I had probably experienced a whole lot of stuff yeah. before that that most people before they make their first record don't really get to yeah. do. So Bit I was pretty tired. I was pretty tired already. Yeah. You're a Von Trapp family. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> By that time. Did you have to break free from the family a little bit? Because how did that come about? You know what? They kind of kicked me out, really. It was a little bit more of that way, I think. Well, we'd been travelling around for a long time making records with the Dead Ring event. My mum and dad had actually got divorced. So this kind of broke up the band, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) You know, my brother and I are going, what? What are you going to divorce for? But what does that mean for the band? You know? Um, but yeah, obviously that, that sort of meant things changed a lot for the Dead Ringer Band and it was really that point of my life where I kind of went, all right, am I going to make a solo album or am I going to get a day job? Yeah. And then I realised I don't really have any other skills. So yeah. I kind of went, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to make an album. So. so what was the allure of Norfolk Island? I mean, I just want to unpack that for a second. I mean, <laughs> for, uh, for a young woman. Yeah, yeah. Of all the places, <laughs> of all yeah. the places to record an album, why did you choose yeah. Uluru, Broome? Uh, yeah, exactly. and, and um, it was sort of, I mean, it, it sounds weird when I go, when I talk about it now because it was... It does sound like a strange thing to do, but at the time it felt very natural. I was half living out there at the time. Um, I'd gone there for, weirdly enough, I'd gone there with the Dead Ringer Band for a country music festival, right? We were just booked there. 
played this festival like we did, you know, any festival all around Australia or whatever. But we just fell in love with this place and I started spending a whole lot of time there. Um, you know, you could, I had my first love on Norfolk Island right. after after I'd lived there for a little while, um, which was the captain, you right, know. Right. So, um, so he was the guy that I wrote that song about and a lot of the songs so he, on he, the record. He wasn't a local, he was an out-of-towner? Or you were, no, he was a local as right. well and, and, and his family. I, I wrote the song actually about him before he became my first love but yeah. his family, we were very close with them. We actually lived with them while we were out there. So all of these songs had been, you know, sort of inspired by this incredible place that I was spending a lot of time in. And a lot of the other songs were inspired by a trip I took to Africa, my first trip to Africa. And I've spent a lot of time there um, in the last few years, but um, this was my first time and I fell in love with the place. So I think at that point, having half the songs, you know, inspired by Africa, half by Norfolk Island, Norfolk Island actually seemed like the more normal choice than to go all the way to Africa to make a record. I don't know, it just kind of fell into place. It felt right at the time. Yeah. Have you been back since or is it like an annual thing you do? Um, I actually haven't been there for quite a few years now but I did spend a lot of time there afterwards yeah. as well um, and, you know, it got a lot of inspiration for other songs too and I think it was also that, you know, a place to get away to as well after touring each time, you yeah. know, going to this. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of the place I'd grown up in. I spent a lot of time down in South End in South Australia which yeah. is a little fishing village and I think it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. from my childhood. So you were effectively in a carnival family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a a Carny car- folk. Yeah, showy. Yeah, yeah. Carny folk with cowboy hats yeah. basically is what we were. But we- ah, sorry. <laughs> that, that was where that was where home was or was it Mount Gambia, that um, part of the world? I was born in Mount Gambia right. and then the little place south end, the little fishing village is my dad's hometown and I spent half of my childhood in that town and the other half of my childhood in the outback of Australia because my dad was a professional fox hunter when I when I was growing up so random yeah yeah yeah. so he plays in my band now I mean he's my guitar player now but um yeah so a lot of my early childhood was spent literally sitting around a campfire just playing music with my family and yeah traveling around living in our car yeah now when you came out with that solo first solo album yeah were you considered country yeah, definitely. I mean, I never really thought about not being country at yeah. all. I'd grown up on country music. I'd loved country music. Well, most of it. Some of it's shit, but you know, uh, you know what it's like. It's, you could say that about any any music. But I, there's a lot of country music these days that I don't really connect to very much, and feels like a long way away from country yeah. music to me. That Nashville draw. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's you know, I mean, that seems like a whole other world of music mm. to me. But then, you know, I, I grew up on like Emily Harrison and mm-hmm. Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard and mm-hmm. George Jones and that sort of thing, you yeah. know. But it was Ben Zant. Yeah, I loved, yeah, 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 yeah loved town. Uh, have you spent much time over in Nashville, over in the States? Yeah, we go and tour in America every year, a couple of times a year sometimes and, and for the last sort of 20, 25 yeah. years something. So, yeah, we, so we've spent, spent a lot of time. Lot of time. There, yeah. In America, I don't really go and spend a lot of time in one town. Yep. My brother lives in Nashville now. He has a studio over there and produces a lot of other artists and, yeah. and does that. But I usually just, you know, roll into town, play a gig and then off we go yep, to another yep. town, which is the way I kind of like it when I tour in America. I want to just travel around and play as many gigs as I can and, yeah, it's always fun. So, so what are some of the... 
differences, I guess, between being a touring country musician here in Australia as opposed to being in America? Like, is there some cultural differences? Is there? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to find a meat pie with sauce over there mm-hmm. when you're really yep. craving one. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of like that about Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I miss them. Yeah, <laughs> in every server. Um, it is, you know. It is, it's, I mean, man, culturally, it is very different. The diet yeah. must yeah. be tough on tour oh, in the Oh, man, that kills me. It yeah. really does kill me. I, I miss Australia a lot mm. when it comes to the food. You miss bread. Um, bread. Yeah, bread. Yeah. I know, they put sugar in everything <laughs> over there. I don't know. I don't really understand that. But, the you know, musically, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I grew up on comes from America. So I think even before I first went there, I did feel a connection with America on a music level. I've never wanted to live there and, um, you know, uh, like over the years I I really just still, when I go there, I just want to travel around and play as many gigs as I can. And But, you know, I I would go, like I got to open up some, you know, some great tours for people like Lucinda Williams and, um, you know, uh, Robert L. Keane, people like this. Who, who I admired and, and they're, you know, people that have influenced me musically so much over the years. So then to get to go and play to their audiences and then to have my own audience over there is pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, it's great but it's always – it's pretty special to fly in and see the Sydney Opera House, let yeah. me tell you, when you, <laughs> when you yeah. get home from it, you know, and then sure. go straight to the pie shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> down there in Willamaloo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Australian country music was always, you know, Slim and, and, and Tex and all those other, you know, names you hear. And then there was probably just before your time a bit of a international sound that kind of uh, yeah. the, the vowels changed in yeah. the way people sang, you know. The example I'm going to use is Borscht from the Bush. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah, the way yeah. you'd say Boys from the Bush, but it, that was the sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it kind of came back. There was a kind of a drag back to more kind of, you know, Australian campfire sounding bush music, yeah, right. you know, and it was particularly the girls who were doing it. It was, you know, there was you, there was Missy, there was Sarah Store, and there yeah. was that. What, what was it that made, you know, that kind of sound? What, what brought it back? Was it was it the authenticity of the of the touring, and that's what you'd always known? Like, because it feels like when you hear bands, particularly Australian bands, singing with American vowels, yep. it feels like there might be a bit more of a machine behind them. Is that, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I mean, I've always <laughs> in those early days, you you'd certainly listen to some of my stuff, and and I sound really American because I'd grown up on all of this yeah. American mm-hmm. country music, and mm-hmm. so. I think that twang was just in there, in my, and I, and also, I didn't really know that it was a debate mm-hmm. as well. So I just sang what naturally came out for me, and because most of the stuff I'd heard was mm. American, I actually yeah. had that that twang. Um, and then I don't know, and then and then some songs like then I'd write you know a song about you know the Nullarbor Plain, and because that was you know such an Australian <laughs> thing, the Nullarbor. <laughs> Didn't sound right saying yeah. bore. <laughs> Nullabor. It was very weird. So I don't know. But I, to be really honest with you, I just don't even really know because I don't really analyse it that song much. And yeah. I look at, you know, my favourite artists, you know, like ever who have influenced me as much as anybody. And I, I, you know, just picking out of a hat here, two of my biggest influences 
uh, Steve Earle and Paul Kelly. You know, and I listen yeah. to... And, and, and they, tour, they tour together a lot, don't and they? <laughs> and that's amazing because they're like... Steve Earle's accent is like it's southern. Yeah. It's like yeah. the full thing. And then Paul Kelly sounds as Australian mm. as you can possibly get. Yeah. And yet those two voices appeal to me so much and it's not anything to do with their accent. It's yeah. to do with their authenticity, yeah, you know. Sure. They're just singing... I don't. I don't think they would even know what what an accent is or yeah. isn't or care. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. they just sing. What's yeah. your favorite Steve Earle song? Is that a, is that Ooh, a hard that's question? A big, well, you know, one of my favorites is "Goodbye." That's always just been one song that that like oh, has just kind of breaks my heart every time I hear it. And I just recently did this. Um, did this kind of this weird tour, what, which was on the Kayamo cruise in, in America, which is like this Americana cruise that goes throughout uh, the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And you go to, Sounds you glorious. stop in at yeah. Jamaica and, you know, uh, Mexico and all that. And it's just beautiful, amazing. And basically, it was all of my favorite artists that y- you could have handpicked. And I was sitting down just watching Emmy Lou Harris play, and she sang Goodbye, the Steve Earle song. And I was just like, and, and we were like, we were actually moving on the boat headed out, out of Jamaica at yeah. the time. And I yeah. was like, this is the most surreal moment of my entire life. I'm <laughs> sitting here and I'm listening to Emily Harris sing good, Goodbye, Steve yeah. Earle's Goodbye, which is one of my favourite songs. We just left Jamaica and I'm like, this is insane. My life is it so weird. Felt, felt a bit like school camp for like, <laughs> country <laughs> musicians. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Did you grow up on Slim? Was that playing? Yeah. I mean, like I said before, a lot of the stuff I grew up on was American, but then um, that was, you, you also know, had a, a dad. Few, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, my, so my dad listened to a lot of Slim um, and a bit of Buddy Williams and, and sort of that, that early sort of um, Australian kind of stuff, but mostly Slim. My dad mm. loves him. And, and, you know, I mean, not just even as a musician and the songs, Slim – and the way that he travelled with his family out on the road was what inspired my dad to want to do the same thing. Yeah. You know, he was like, "Well, I want to, I want to do our version of the the travelling country band." You know, with Slim being out on the road with all of his family. Yeah. So my dad packed up his family and went, "Let's go out on the road and travel and play country music. Why can't we do this?" You know. So how do you think he found the time to write like what was it like like 118 <gasps> albums? Isn't that insane? When you think about that. It's like two a year. I know. And, you know, I think about it every time someone, like, you know, in the last couple of years when I've brought out my last couple of records, like a lot of people, you know, do interviews and people will be like, oh, wow, your 11th album or your 12th album, did you ever think you'd get to that? In the back of my mind, every time (laughs) I think... Slim Dusty made over a hundred records. Like I'm way behind. <laughs> I've got to catch up. <laughs> with like 15, 20 songs on each. I know. Yeah. It's insane. But all the wow. songs have the same chords. <laughs> they do. And they you all know, sound know. the same. But, but they but they all sounded just, great. Yeah. They the all words sounded are different, great. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. About yeah. 120 different towns <laughs> it went to. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot yeah. of towns in Australia to Deer sing about. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah. In Charleville. Yeah. There's only that many towns that he's, <laughs> he can write a song about. How has that been? Because you've got kids 
that I'm, I'm guessing don't come on cruise ships with you in Jamaica? They do, and oh, they right. did. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, they all did. <laughs> You're just carrying on the tradition on the road with the family? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, maybe my parents were a little bit more patient than, than I am because <laughs> my kids annoy the hell out of me when I'm out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they annoy me at home too, actually. I'm not being fair. They're annoying at home <laughs> and on the road, let's face it. It sounds like your parents, your parents <laughs> put you to a bit more work though. Yeah, Is that the I, I reckon so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I don't know how my parents did it. They they did it without even having iPads to shove in our face and go, yeah. Here, here's your babysitter. Um, you know, uh, look, I'm, I'm really lucky. The, the kids come out on the road with me a whole lot and I also have a really great support group with my family to help mm-hmm. out, you know, at home and on the road and their dads and, you know, all of that. So I'm pretty lucky with all of the people I have around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't do it without them. And look, I'm not like any normal working mum, you know. Some days you feel like you're smashing it and you could take on the world and everything's going great. And then sometimes you're just rocking back and forth mm-hmm. in the fetal position going, yeah. what the hell am I doing? Just and pulling waiting. your eyes out. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just, more of those days than the yeah. other ones. But anyway. <laughs> just wishing someone would. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about when you became a, a household kind of name? There was, I mean, you were on ad campaigns right across the country. You had... You know, pretty enough and true colours kind of charted well outside of the, you know, the circles you yeah, you, yeah. you would call your base. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They were the type of songs that ended up on like Triple J, you know, and like <laughs> Wallabies ads. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. crazy. That's a that's a very widespread. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I I think it was very gradual. It wasn't like I mean, I know probably not pretty enough was was you know, something that did change my life a bit overnight, mm-hmm. I guess, because that did go to number one on the pop charts and it was like all of a sudden, you know, everyone did know who that, what that song was and, and everything um, in Australia. A lot of, outside of that, most other things in my life, most other successes have, have happened a lot more gradually, I guess, and I don't think I really knew what was happening as they were happening mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of glad of that now because it's, I think it would have been pretty overwhelming yeah. for me and and I'd come from a pretty simple family and a simple life and and all of that and I don't know that I would have dealt very well with fame overnight or mm-hmm. anything like that so my life has kind of just gradually gone in that direction I also think honestly I know you can't like it's not a hundred percent that you can just go whether you choose to be famous or you choose how to be famous or whatever I do think there's a choice in whether you buy into fame yeah. and yeah. and I have chosen not to do that very much in my life. I want to live a fairly normal life and and I like my life the way that it is and, and I, I don't ever – there's a difference between, you know, having your name out there and being in the public eye and being a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I don't do celebrity things yeah. and I don't buy into that sort of stuff because I, I actually believe that feeds – a whole different beast and that beast is not what I want or what I choose, what I need for my music either. Take from you creatively as well, you reckon? Absolutely. I mean, uh, like already my my life of just being a busy working mum takes away from Mm -hmm. what I do creatively and I... Let alone go to the Logies. Exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. And it's, I'm not even saying it's all that bad. I just don't think it suits me. Mm-hmm. I don't think it suits my personality and who I am. And you reckon you might get in a bit of trouble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm certainly glad that a lot of my success um, was not when social media was around. Yeah. <laughs> every so every guest says that. <laughs> yeah. All the footballers? All I, think all that, I think that's a bit scary to, <laughs> yeah. to think of that. You know, now I'm kind of smart enough to, mm. to maybe behave myself a bit more when I go out. <laughs> you also got a few CD sales in there too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we're not going to see you as a coach or a judge on The Voice or on uh, Australia's Got Talent no, or anything? I don't think so. I don't think those sort of things really would suit me. I don't even think I'd be very good at it. You know, uh, I really don't. You tell everyone they're the best. Uh, no, I probably, yeah, well, that's it. You've got to be a little bit more scandalous. I think I'm a yeah. bit boring to be on those shows. So what is your opinion of those shows? Because we have asked a couple of musos in the past, you know, we asked Paul Kelly and he was like, oh, you know, just as long as the kids are happy, I guess, you know. <laughs> you know like, and we've asked a couple others and there's been a bit of a mixed reaction to him. What's your opinion? Yeah, oh, you know what? I have a very, very strong opinion of those, <laughs> of those things and my strong opinion is it depends what you want out of your career. Yeah. It's 100% that and I... Because I, I do get young artists come to me sometimes and go, what's your advice? Should I do this and should I do that? And I go, well, you know what? I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't do without knowing what, you're, what you want your journey to be, you know. Do, I would never go on them. I would never have gone on them if I had if they were around back then. But I wanted a very different sort of career than most people. I watch them every now and then. I haven't watched them for a while actually, but my kids watch them sometimes. So you see an episode here and there. But I remember watching um, one, I think it was The Voice maybe. (laughs) I can't remember. But watching an episode one time where there was this woman who was like, 50 and she'd never been and sung a gig and she had this amazing voice she was incredible she'd spent her whole life dedicating her whole life to her kids to her family and she just woke up one day and went you know what no I do want to fulfill my dream of going out and singing in front of a whole lot of people and she went really well the crowd loved her. She smashed it. And I was like, you know what? That's what this show's for. She she yeah. would have never done that if it wasn't for that show yeah. giving her the opportunity to do that. And and that's she didn't want this career of being a singer-songwriter over here and, you yeah. know, doing all that. And I thought, good on you. That's exactly – it gave an opportunity for that woman to fulfil a dream. And, and it was beautiful to watch. Yeah. yeah. What did you have in mind for your career and has it turned out kind of that way? Like did you did you think you'd be on the road this much? You know what? I just like seriously all I thought was if I can avoid getting a day job for a little yeah. while then that is mm-hmm. that's good for me. And look, you know, it, back in the day, you know, t- like we're talking 20 years ago before I made the Captain album and I the sort of music that I played I was 100% sure that I would never really get a whole lot of success. It just doesn't appeal to a lot of people and that was okay with me. I, I honestly didn't mind. I didn't have this driving force to be really successful or to see my name up in lights or whatever. I just thought let's just do this until I can't do it anymore and mm-hmm. I'll just have a whole lot of fun. And, you know, I, I remember when I made the Captain album, so I made most of it on Norfolk Island and then – uh, there was a part where I got 
um, two of my favourite singer-songwriters, Buddy Miller and Julie Miller, to sing and play on the record. And that was in Nashville. So we recorded it at their place. And, and he'd been a huge influence on me over that time, Buddy Miller. And we went into his studio, we recorded his parts and I was like, I am on top of the world. And he said, he said, I'm going to take you guys out for dinner at my favourite restaurant around the corner, you know, and we've had such a great day. And I was just like, this is, this is amazing, you know, best time of my life, living the dream. He took us around the corner to this Chinese restaurant and they had your fortune cookie at the end, right? And I'm just going, this is so surreal. This, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Buddy Miller has taken me to his favourite restaurant. I've just finished recording my debut album, This Fortune, right here. I am going to live by whatever this says for the rest <laughs> of my life. This is it. This is a turning point in my, in my life. I opened up the fortune cookie and it said, you love Chinese food. <laughs> and I was like, okay, what does this mean then? And, and at the time, you know, I had this little moment of being disappointed. I was like, yeah. no, I wanted this to set my tone for my life. And you know what? I know it sounds stupid, but it did. I went, you know what? Don't overanalyze everything. Have fun with everything. Not everything has to change the world. You love, you, love, you do, and... It was right. I do love Chinese food, so, you know, I do want to live by that. I'm like, yes, you don't have to – everything doesn't have to be the biggest, you know, changing the world thing. Just play music, do mm. what you want to do, have your opinions, you know, stand up for what you believe in, but just have fun with it. Are you, are you a bit of a star sign girl as well? No, I'm not okay. at all. No. <laughs> I thought you were leaning pretty heavily into the fortune cookie there. No, no I, don't, well, I don't need star signs now, do I? No. I got my fortune yeah. I needed. Yeah. Kincumber Chinese. <laughs> do you get much? Do you, it's been, there'd be some good regional Chinese, I reckon, in the Central yeah. Coast. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I live by that. Yeah, yeah. You ended up on the Central Coast, so Central Coast, New South Wales. Yep. Gosford, I guess, would be the biggest town centre around that yeah, way. Yeah, so. Gossy. And that's a bit of a, that's become a hub. Did you create that as like the country music <laughs> no, kind of expat hub? I know, I think a lot of people think I did, but yeah. I didn't. There was quite a few of them around there before I got there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just weird because it's a bunch of country music, singer, songwriter, musicians all living around that yeah. area forever. Mm. Yeah. It's insane, yeah. And it's, do you... Do you it's just by chance you don't have like secret underground kind of Illuminati Central oh, Coast meetings. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose like it's kind of the same like how up at Byron. I mean, like that's where yeah, you, yeah. that's where you get all those types. Well, there's yeah. death metal for a while in yeah. Byron. It's gradually turned into that more Xavier Rudd sound. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, now it's got. True. Yeah. It's because of people like Xavier that now it's got the highest house price. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In Australia, it's like... Country well, musicians haven't done that to a well, Copacabana no, no, no. just yet. It's the opposite now. Because we all live there, the, the, the sales have dropped a bit. The prices are down. You but that off? you're not allowed in there unless you have a cowboy hat. You don't have to wear it, but you do have to own one. Or, or they yeah. won't let you into the Central Coast. Little Longreach. Yeah. <laughs> now, a lot of people would be kind of confused as to where you're from. Because country mu- music in Australia, I guess... Uh, Queensland feels like they own a lot of it yeah. over the years, even though Slim was from Kempsey. You know, do you, yeah. do, where do you find you get the most love on tour? 
Um, oh, man, will I get in trouble? Tamworth? No. Well, <laughs> no, seriously, whenever a tour goes on sale, mm-hmm. Queensland and WA are the first to right. sell out. Yep. Always. Oh, oh, you know what? Regional Victoria have been actually really good to us lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm thinking. But no, I don't know if there's something about um, Queensland, out, outback, you know, regional Queensland. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something about the connection between country music and regional Queensland, yeah. without yep. a doubt. And even I think, you know, like Brizzy often sells, you know, really quickly before Aiden, everywhere Aiden's else. Yeah. But Melbourne got in first on our captain tour. It was our first – the captain tour went on sale last week and they um, – it, uh, Melbourne sold out was the first show to sell out. Oh, so yeah. I'll give them that. Good I'll work, them Melbourne. That. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Do you um, – was, was there ever a part of your career, you know, before the kids and stuff – uh, where you might have been in the fast lane, like what was happening? Were you, were you Powderfinger <laughs> hanging out with you know Bernie and those guys, or Missy? Missy, it was a festival kind of era. Well, you know what, I absolutely was that era, and I was hanging out with all, all those people, but I was the first one to go home to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we asked every guesses. Yeah. Who was the last one to go to bed? Well, I don't know. I was in bed, so I yeah, didn't well, know. Sounds like Pete Murray. Yeah. No. <laughs> or, uh, the whole of Spider Bay. <laughs> they'd be up all night. And, and look, you talk to all of us now, and we're all fighting over who gets to go to bed first. So. Except for Daniel Johns, he's still he's still <laughs> he's charging. Still going. He's, he's still going. Always. He's you know he's flying the flag for all of us. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what what kind of accommodation would you would you book on on tour? And is it just hotel? Is it is it the same same as? You know what? It's it's not a, it's not even hotels for us. It's yeah. like motels. Yeah. I like. You know, I'm the only artist in the world that rings up my agent and says, uh, "This hotel's too fancy for yeah. us. Don't mm-hmm. don't book us in this one anymore." Wasted yeah. on the kids. It is. It's <laughs> wasted on tour because you spend yeah. a few hours there. But I also like old school. I like the motel that you pull up out the front and yeah. you. Um, you know, you park right in front of your room and it's not far to carry your bag yeah. in. Big you know, bucket of sand, that. ashtray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and even like I've been doing this promo tour and the label put me up in the fanciest place down in Melbourne. And, um, you know, I mean, it is, it's, really ni- it's really nice and I do feel very appreciative that they do that when they're paying for it, which is <laughs> nice. <laughs> but on tour, I like the old school. If I took my kids into a place like that, Onto, I'd be so worried about what they're going to do and what they're going to spill on the floor and all yeah. of that. Yeah, I, I don't want any of that. And I think it's the mark of a good sort of motel when uh, you have to order your breakfast by nine at night and then it comes through the door at at half past six. <laughs> or or not even through the door, through one of those little hidey holes yeah. where they open it up and yeah. they put it through for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And they're giant, so a human could fit through if they yeah. wanted to get in and steal <laughs> your stuff yeah. in the night. But yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very prison <laughs> it's just, style. Yeah. yeah, prison style. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, any dates coming up in the in the near future? That you, anything you're excited for? Any uh, any shows? Um, well, the Captain Tour is now on sale, so that yeah. is sort of my next thing that I get to do music wise in Australia. Um, I'm actually headed off in a couple of weeks to Africa. Um, I spend a fair bit of time over there. Um, what, what part? What part of Africa? I'm on this trip. We go to a few different places, but I generally go to Zambia and go to a little school which I um, work with over there. 
uh, Australian-owned school, yep. actually, and beautiful people, Queenslanders, actually, who, good, who good run people. the school. They're, they're good people, those Queenslanders. Good mm. <laughs> um, and they run the school over there. Very small little one. It's um, only 50 kids and um, I've gotten to know them over the last few years and I'm, I'm actually about to take my kids over there to come and help me oh, really? um, work in the school for a week. So that'll be fun. And then we actually go off and do a music safari, which I've um, been lucky enough to do before as well. And we just play music along the way, um, you know, with, with a bunch of tourists from all over the world oh, and, right. you know, lions and giraffes walking by while we yeah. play a few songs, you know. Sounds fun. <laughs> How old are your kids? I've got um, a... My eldest boy is just about to turn 17 right. and then 11-year-old boy. Yeah, he's, he is. He's driving better than me already. It's so <laughs> good. And then my little girl is um, seven. Okay. That, well, that sounds like a good place to be is Casey, yeah. Casey Chambers' kids going and singing safaris in yep. Africa. Singing safaris in Africa, yeah. <laughs> just the huge. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. I've got to go and talk to their school and tell them that I'm stealing them away. For, yeah. bit, are they a bit worldly on the Central Coast? Um, <laughs> Well, my I think my kids think it's really normal that yeah. you know one one day you go to school and then the next day you fly to Nashville and yeah. then you're on a cruise in Jamaica and yeah. and then you you go home and you've got your homework to do and yeah. you know you, yeah so and then it's footy footy training on the <laughs> that's fun and then yeah. you come back here and and your first date back here is a big red bash I uh, know I'm so excited about that I love just, it it's it's just it's just down the road from here you know in yeah. Birdsville. Yep, so I'm hoping all you locals will come out, yeah. you know. I came to your town, Well, so. it's, it is. <laughs> That's where we get our post from some yeah. days when the road's closed. So. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I've played the, the Big Red Bash before, actually, and it's just it was one of those bucket list things for me because mm-hmm. I'd never been up that way before and I got to play it about five years ago and it was such a highlight. So when they asked me to come back – and they've got the oils. They've got Midnight yeah. Oil playing mm-hmm. and Living End and all of that. Yeah. So – it's like free tickets for me to go and see yeah. all yeah. these other great Although, bands play, yeah. so I'm stoked, yeah. Do you think they'll be driving or flying out to Birdsville this year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll be hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in the pub. Yeah, horse and cart. Isn't that the way they do it out there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well, thanks for joining us, Casey. It sounds like you've got a bit going on. It's Good, good to hear that Endless Tour is, is now rebranded and it's now the Captain exactly. Captain 20. Yep, just using that same artwork again every time. So I'll probably do that again. Soon it'll be 20 years from Barricades and Brick Walls, so yep. I'll do it again for that one. I can basically just do all of the records now from yep. here on in, 20-year anniversary. Re-release. Yep. Give, yep. give them a whirl online. Yep. Well, <laughs> if, I, if I was your bank manager, I'd be very happy, Casey. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>